All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to deal with the latter half of this chapter. And um, it's certainly, for those of you who grew up in the church or have been a Christian for some time, are uh, in the habit of reading your Bible, is a passage that is so common and familiar to many. Uh, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit today, but maybe more importantly, uh, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. So whenever we deal with a very familiar passage, uh, I do just give a, a word of caution. Uh, don't listen uh, relaxed, but listen intently uh, for maybe the way that God can speak to you today and encourage you as a good reminder of Christian living and the power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to pray with me before we get into our text today uh, to just center and focus our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. God, thanks so much for your faithfulness to us, your love for us, for your word, and for your Holy Spirit that guides us, leads us, and transforms us throughout life. I pray that as we deal with a very familiar passage to many today, that we will be encouraged, that we will be uh, reminded of the importance of walking by the Spirit and the fruit that that brings to our lives as Christians. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you were with us last week, uh, we took time to look at the freedom that we have in Christ and how freedom in Christ uh, brings about a freedom from the law and the not only opportunity, but ability through the presence of the Spirit of God in us to live the life that God wants us to live. We talked last week also about how uh, the freedom that we have in Christ is something that is to spur us on or to encourage us to help us to live a life of love and service towards others. If you recall the tension that exists in the church that Paul is writing about to those in Galatia, he first wrote to address this problem that the Christians were being faced with by the false teachers. They were brought the gospel of Christ. They were responding to that by faith. They were changed by that. But then the Judaizers showed up and said, you have Jesus and you want to be a Christian, great. But you need to know that you need the law and you need to be circumcised. And that's what really makes you a Christian. So on this side of the spectrum, we used this example of the polar ends, didn't we? Where there's the law that was intended to make us right with God and bring salvation to our lives. And that law never intended to do that. And Paul is addressing that. Now, we go back over here to the other extreme that Paul is writing to, and that's the fact that these Judaizers were concerned that if you follow the freedom that Paul is talking about, then that likely will lead to you having a license to sin, a license to live however you want to live and disregard the fact that God still has a plan and purpose and and. Uh, a design for your life as a Christian. This is just as bad and just as wrong. Right in the middle, we find Christ. We find freedom in Christ. We find that by faith in responding to the gospel, we gain Christ. And when we gain Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And when the Holy Spirit indwells us, we now have the power and the presence of God in us that gives us the opportunity 
to stay on the road that God has for us to live so that we can live the life he has for us to live in a way that pleases him, glorifies him, in a life that we can now love and serve others. So if you think of this as a roadway with guardrails, this morning, Paul's going to show us what it's like to to live on the road. Uh, He just demonstrated when we get outside the road and we, we get ourselves outside the guardrails, how dangerous it is living by the law and living with a license to do however you want to do life. Paul says, don't live out there. That's the the valley, the lowlands, the ditches, uh, that's off the roadway. And when you live out there, you'll crash and die. So let's get back on the road. And let me show you what life as a Christian really looks like. And in chapter 5, verse 13, which is not up there, uh, I'm going to read it to you because it sets the scene for where we're going. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Within this passage, as it sets us up for today's text, what we hear Paul saying is that brothers and sisters were called to freedom in Christ to use that to love and serve one another that we can sum up the whole law through a life of love. There's obviously conflict and tension in the church in Galatia, and he's writing to say, stop biting and devouring one another. Number one, you're going to destroy each other, but number two, you're going to hinder the witness of the church in the world around you. So don't live that way. He's going to proceed to tell us how we should live our lives as Christians in light of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that is now present in us. And this is where we pick up in verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to follow along there. If not, you can follow along the screen or your device, however you prefer to do so. Paul goes on to say between 16 and verse 25, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, or they're obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalry rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. For if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I recently read a story from a pastor who after a Sunday sermon, on Monday he got a phone call from one of the members of his church and set up an appointment to meet with him. 
Upon arriving for that appointment, she sat in a chair across the desk from this pastor, and she took her Bible, and she laid it on his desk, and she said, I'm turning in my Bible. This is for you. I need you to take it because I quit. I'm quitting the Christian life. It's more than I can handle. It's beyond what I can do. I'm giving up. I'm not doing this anymore. The sad story about her story is that I don't think she's alone. People are walking away from the Christian faith today in an unprecedented number. What I think they're actually doing is abandoning religion. Problem is they're not turning to Christ. They're turning to the world for their answers. If you want to exchange your Bible and give up on the Christian faith and turn to the world and all that it has to offer, I can assure you that will lead you to a dead-end road. But if you've been living your Christian life based on religion and based on a relationship, then I encourage you to exchange your religion for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's the only way that you'll be able to live life the way God intended you to live. Maybe you felt like this lady has felt. I can't live the Christian life anymore. It's too hard. It's too much. I feel that way at times. Overwhelmed by what I sense God's plans are for my life and expectations are for my life and direction for my life. I find myself at times wanting to please you more than I want to please God. And when I do that, not only is a Christian life hard, but I find it's impossible. (laughs) That brings me to my knees and reminds me that as your pastor, I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. I'm not sure why you want to give up on the Christian life if you ever have wanted to. But in case you've ever been in a place where you found the Christian life too hard to be and to do and to live, I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know that in those feelings and those tensions in your life, uh, you shouldn't give up on your Christian faith. God's got a great plan for your life and he loves you dearly. He gave his life for you and he doesn't want you to give up on him. But I also want to say this, the Christian life, it's impossible. So if you're living it on your own, I want you to know it is an impossible life to live. The Christian life is only possible with Christ in you. The Christian life is only possible through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. The Holy Spirit literally is Jesus in you. And if you're trying to live your life on religion, you've ran off the road and you're going to crash and die soon. Or you're living your life on self-reliance, then you've run off the road and you're going to crash and die soon. 
But if you truly want to live how God wants you to and can fulfill the law in every way through a life of love, then you got to stay on the road. And the roadway is lived in Jesus Christ. See, the Christian life for many is lived through sheer determination and trying harder. Some of you grew up, and that's what the Christian life was about. Your guts, your determination, and you got to try harder. Week after week after week, you try harder and harder and harder, and at the end of that life, what you're going to find is that your hard enough isn't good enough. See, what God actually wants for us in the Christian life is not to try harder, but to depend on, to rely on the power and the presence of Christ in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to learn from Paul that the life of a Christian is not accomplished through determination or trying harder, but through dependence on the Holy Spirit and relying on the Word of God to do the work in our life that it does when we obey the Word of God and put it into practice. The first thing Paul says is that we are to walk by the Spirit. We're to walk by the Spirit. Look at verse 16. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh is not skin, bones, and blood. The flesh is referring to your sin nature and mind. The way that we're designed, the way that we're uh, infected by uh, the sin nature that is in us, uh, we're by default, sinners and subject of wrath, God's wrath, because of our sin nature. It's the most comfortable and appealing place that we live our lives naturally as human beings that's gratifying or pleasing our sin nature because, after all, life's all about me. Right? It's not, of course. Paul says, Walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. To walk by the Spirit means to live. To walk by the Spirit means to understand that when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit of the living God was placed inside of you and now dwells in you. And it's the Holy Spirit that you are to depend on and not yourself. To live the Christian life is to depend on the Holy Spirit. To live your life gratifying your sin nature is to depend on your determination. To walk means to follow after, to mimic, or to do as another does. 1 John 2.6 says that uh, whoever claims to live in him, whoever claims to know Christ as Savior, must walk as Jesus did. How did Jesus walk? He walked submitting his will to the Father's will. He walked in complete obedience to the, the, the law of God. He lived his life uh, subjected to what God desired for him. And he lived his life 
under the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to also live like Jesus, and therefore we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. The form of the Greek verb translated walk indicates a continuous action or a habitual lifestyle. Walking also implies progress. As a believer submits to the control of the Spirit in our lives, and we respond in obedience to the commands of Scripture over our lives, what we find is that we grow spiritually. The fruit of the Spirit is birthed within us, and we grow up in Christ, not by trying harder or on our own, but by depending on the power and the presence of the Spirit in us. Now, I get it. The Holy Spirit is not the person of God that we talk a lot about in our church, but that is going to change as we go forward over this next year and spend uh, a lot of time in the book of Acts together. To walk means to live the Christian life, letting the Holy Spirit take control, allow God's will to be a guidance to our life through the Spirit and the Word of God. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us should affect the way we think, the way we act, the way we talk. It should impact our daily decisions, the things we're committed to, the way that we live our life. Thus, the need for the Word of God in our life so that we understand what God's desires and expectations and His will is for us. So as the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us and speaks to us, we can align it with the Word of God, which brings it all together in alignment with the will of God. So often we want to do this on our own, but the Christian life was never intended to be done on our own, on our own power and our own strength. I've got an object lesson today, and sometimes they fall short. So give me grace. Imagine the law of God. If you plugged yourself into the law of God and that became the means of your salvation, what would you realize? There's no power in the law to save you. There never was. God never intended the law to be that. But how about over here on this side? the license to sin and live how we want to live. I think actually this is how a lot of people who may be Christians live their lives. Not plugged into the power of God, but plugged into themselves. This is the try harder life right here. If you were to plug your cell phone in this tonight, tomorrow morning, your expectation is that what? Your phone would be charged. But what's the reality of plugging your cell phone into this the way it is now? Is that it will be dead. And I promise you this. If you live your life through your own power and strength, trying to earn God's favor and earn your salvation, the outcome of your life will be like that phone in the morning. You'll be dead. Dead in your sin. But thanks be to God because he deposited within each one of us a guarantee of our salvation, and that's the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who empowers us, who helps us to live 
the Christian life. So let me ask you this. As a Christian, where does your power come from? There's two ways you can answer that. One, you can answer it based on what I just told you. Well, the Holy Spirit, Pastor, you just told me that. The other is by being honest. Are you relying on religion or yourself? What power are you living the Christian life? Is the power of Christ in you or on your own by trying harder? See, the law has no power. Self is powerless. But the spirit of God in us is where the power for our lives comes from. Point number two is simply that when the spirit is present in us and we walk in the power of God, we have to fight a battle that now rages within each and every one of us. The battle is real. When you became a Christian, I imagine that you had this idea that, wow, now that I'm a Christian, life's going to be easy, only to find out that the Christian life all of a sudden got really hard. Why did it get hard? As a Christian, why do I still sin? As a Christian, why, why isn't everything just the gravy train? Because for the first time in your life, you have real conflict. See, your sin nature is custom to living to please itself. But now that Christ has moved in, his desire for you as a Christian is to live to please him and not yourself. This is the real problem that every Christian battles with. When we get saved, our sin nature doesn't go away. The battle now begins. Here's the good news. In Christ, we already have victory. So we can say no to pleasing our sin nature and we can say yes to pleasing God, not on our own, but now that the power of the Holy Spirit is present in us. We can do that. But it means we have to say no and put to death our sin nature, which Christ has victory over, and now we do. We can't do this on our own. You see what happens is we have our own kingdom that we've been living to please ourselves in, and now a new kingdom has moved in, and Christ is establishing his throne in our life, and he's beginning to change us from the inside out. And when he does that, he says, oh, now you don't get to please yourself, you get to please me. That's not an easy life to live, I promise you, but it's a good life to live. See, Paul talks about this battle in in Romans chapter 7. He says it like this. He says, you know, here's the crazy thing. When I live the life that I want to live, pleasing to God, I don't live that life. But when I don't want to sin, somehow I keep on sinning. He finally gets around to saying, what a wretched man that I am. I hate the fact that what I want to do, I can't, and what I don't want to do, I don't. And I don't know what to do about this. Who's going to save me from myself? And then he says this, praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ, because it's Christ who saves me from myself, and Christ who saves you from yourself, and Christ who saved Paul from himself. This is what, this is what it says. Paul says here in Galatians Uh, 5, verses 17 and 18, he he goes on to say this. He says, 
for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Why? Because now we're under the spirit of Christ and we can love and serve others because Christ is now in us. We can say no to sin and yes to righteousness. Driving is like the easiest illustration to use in this because it's always applicable. And you know that if you're a driver. When you get cut off, what's your sin nature tell you to do? Roll down the window, flip them off, cuss them out, scold them, curse them, chase after them, get on them. and I mean, this is our sin nature. How many of you, your first response is, oh, bless you. I'm so glad that I can help you get to where you need to go on time. I mean, you are, oh, you're such a blessing. No! Rawr! See, but what Christ wants us to do after we have our little fit is, first of all, as we stay empowered by the Holy Spirit in the word long enough, what happens is our first reaction isn't to flip them off and cuss them out and, and, and. It, it, it's actually to stop before we speak or think and allow God to take control of us in that moment and say, God, now all of a sudden when I've done that, forgive me for cursing them out and, and, and all of that. Uh, I, I'm now going to pray for them. You know, I've got a whole bunch of kids, like a whole bundle full of them, love them to death. Dang it, they can make me angry sometimes. And, and you know, it, on my own, like what I want to do is be kind and patient. And I want to just be so helpful all the time. But sometimes dad loses it and I just like let it go. And then, then what happens? Now I'm on my knees. I'm before the Lord saying, I, I failed. I did that wrong. That wasn't right. And I'll go to my kids and I'm like, well, you did wasn't right. But, but what I did wasn't right either. See, the battle's real, isn't it? It's in all of us. We don't stop sinning as Christians, but we need to get a handle of it on it through the power of the Spirit in us and through the work of the Word of God in us as well. This means that we have to recognize, point number three, the difference between our sin nature or the flesh and the Spirit that is now alive in us. We have this conflict because both exist together. Paul goes on in verses 19 to to 23, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident or really they're obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, uh, anger, uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I did before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These couldn't be more opposed to each other, could they? So our sin nature provides what's obvious to us. If we live to please our sin nature, we're going to live according to these uh, 15 descriptions of what gratifies our sin nature. 
This is not an exhaustive list, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but we can neatly categorize them in four areas of our life. And so I, I just want to point that out. The first three are really sexual sins, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. When we succumb to these, we're pleasing our sin nature in these areas, the areas of sexual sins. And then there's the religious sins, idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry is uh, whatever we ascribe worth to as the number one value in our life. When God moved in and established his kingdom through the presence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, remember, he wants to be number one, but our sin nature has a competing number one, and it's ourself, and so we rage in this conflict between each other, and what our responsibility is is to, to say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness. Now we can. The presence and power of the Spirit is in us. There's relational sins. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, divisions, dissensions, and envy. It's easy to look at this list and say, yeah, that's how the world acts towards one another. But sadly, that's how we as the church sometimes act towards one another as well. Brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. But when we do, it's evidence that we're now submitting to our sin nature in relationship with one another and not the Spirit. The fourth category is the cultural sins, drunkenness, orgies. Orgies, we always think of as some sexual act. That's not what Paul's referring to here. He's really talking about wild parties, gaining um, heightened sense of ecstasy from something else, drugs, parties, other sensual things in the world. He goes on to say other things like these. These are the things that rule and dominate our sin nature. But Paul is saying, if you want to love and serve others and fulfill the law completely, relying on the Holy Spirit, walking by the Spirit, and submitting yourself to the Word of God will lead you to living a life with the fruit of the Spirit present in you, which, by the way, the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who doesn't want to live that life? These can neatly be categorized as well. The first three represent an inward reality of our lives as Christians. Love, joy, and peace. Every person in this world is looking for that. But only Christians experience the true reality of love, joy, and peace because only God can place that in our lives through Jesus Christ, through the presence and through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's the second list of fruit, outward fruit concerning our relationship with others, patience, kindness, and goodness. This is where I fail with my kids sometimes. <laughs> Allowing that fruit to be demonstrated in my life. There's general fruit that guides our lives as believers, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
If you're a Christian, this is the fruit that God wants to develop in you. The fruit of God are the virtues of godliness. It's the way we are to live and to act and to breathe and to think and to move and to go and grow as Christians. It's not about trying harder. It's about relying on. It's not about being determined to do this. It's about being dependent on the Holy Spirit to form this inside of us from the inside out. We can't do it on the outside and hope that we change on the inside. God changes us on the inside, and then this comes out of us. To live out the fruit of the Spirit is to live dependent on the Spirit of God, the work of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the work of the Word of God. It requires our faith be put into practice so that we don't please our sin nature, but that we walk as Jesus walked, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to point number four, We've been talking a lot about fruit of the Spirit. How do we grow this fruit in our lives as Christians? Paul says here in verses 24 and 5, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What that actually means is that fruit can now grow. The domineering reality of our lives is not our sin nature, but when we uh, received Jesus Christ, we received all that Christ had to offer, including his death and resurrection, which brought new life to us and overcame our sin nature and now gives us something that we can look forward to. A life of holiness or being set apart from our sin nature unto God for godly living. If we live by the Spirit, verse 25 let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit means that we have to learn to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. I can't stress enough the importance of daily Bible reading. It's in the Word of God that we understand the will of God, the desire of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God, the virtues of God, the life that God has for us to live. And we now submit ourselves in obedience to the Word of God and the work of the Spirit, and all of a sudden, fruit takes place, transformation happens, and we begin to live a life the way that God designed us to live as Christians. When we walk, think about your legs being dependent on your feet. Your feet have to do exactly what they were created to do in order for your legs to be dependent on your feet so that you can walk. And this is true of the Holy Spirit. If we're to walk with God and we're to live by the Spirit of God, then we must learn to rely on the Spirit of God to do as the Spirit of God is supposed to do in our lives. Or when we walk, we rely on ourselves and not on God himself. Consider the power adapter. I want to bring you back to that just to finish up with an illustration. I like chocolate chip cookies. It's not fruit, I get it, but cookies are good, okay? You know, I mean, so when my family makes chocolate chip cookies, we bring out the KitchenAid blender and the bowl and fill it all full of good stuff. And I want you to imagine that if we did all that but never plugged it in, what would happen? 
There's no power source to it. No matter what we did to it, it would never produce the results we desired out of it. But now let's consider plugging that baby in and never turning it on. What's the result going to be? It's no different. I think too many Christians are plugged into Jesus Christ, but you never get turned on to work for God. You're, you're kind of waiting around for him to make the cookies through you, but you never do anything about it. He didn't make you a robot. He made you to die to yourself so you could live for him. He said, now that you have life, live it. What's your power source? Are you trying harder? You're going to fail every time. The Christian life's impossible on your own. Are you relying on or depending on Christ? Is he your true power source to empower you to live the life that God has for you to live? See, fruit of the Spirit can only be grown in our lives when, when we're plugged into Christ, when we rely on the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of the living God when we recognize the value of the word of God and we submit ourselves to let the word of God control our lives through the power of the spirit that's in our lives. No longer do we live to please our sin nature. We can now live to please God and live a holy life. And when we do that, we will live a life that's pleasing to God. It's gonna require that to walk by the Spirit means a daily surrender of our lives to the control of the Spirit in our lives. It's a daily commitment to trade my will, my desire, and my gratification for the will of God and the fruit of the Spirit. For when the Spirit's power is alive in my life, and I'm submitting to it, and the Word of God is alive in my life, and I'm submitting to it, I promise you, my life will align with the will of God, and so will yours. Christian life is not about trying harder. It's about depending on Jesus Christ and the power that he gives us through the spirit that lives in us. It's about relying on the work of the word of God and submitting in obedience to the word of God so that we live in such a way that God can develop the fruit inside of us from the inside out and our lives will demonstrate the virtues of godliness, love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the life that God has for you to live. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that dwells richly in each one of us as a Christian. Forgive us, Lord, when we submit to our flesh and our sin nature and our evil desires that rage within Help us to submit ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word as we live in obedience to you, God. Help us not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on you as we say no to sin and yes to righteousness and live a life that's not only pleasing to you, but shows others who you are through us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.